This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Hi, this is David from Our House on Joy 94.9. Our House podcast is proudly brought to you by Joy sponsor, Solar Heart. It's not just solar, it's Solar Heart. For details, check out solarheart.com.au. Our House on Joy 94.9. Thanks to Joy sponsor, Solar Heart. It's not just solar, it's Solar Heart. For details, check out solarheart.com.au. Welcome to Our House, Joy 94.9's program about where and how we live in our diverse community. We will explore all aspects of real estate, but please seek professional advice before making decisions. My name is David Gale. Whether you're buying or selling, renting or sharing, upsizing, downsizing, or just thinking about where you'd like to live, this is the GLBT Real Estate Show for you. Good evening, I'm Christopher Talbot. There's one criteria for music on the show and that's that it must have something to do with a house or home. We look forward to your questions and we'll address your questions on our show. If you'd like to contact us, you can. On How do you do that? By email on really? air at joy.org.au. You can phone us at 1300-JOY-949 or send us a text 0427-JOY-949. You know, Gordon's out there just waiting for your call. It's a bit like a donation hotline, but Gordon loves to hear from everybody. Uh, look, tonight we're going to be talking about gardening. So, you know, if you've got any gardening questions, and I know you have, Chris. I do. You? I do. I've got several. Wait for our expert. I can't wait. Uh, On tonight's show, we're going to be talking about gardening and the upcoming Victorian State Rose and Garden Show with our guest, Attila Capitani. And, of course, we'll be looking at the current rates. Now, Chris... Chris, you're here tonight because poor Paul is sick. He's got sinusitis. Mm. And I just said, look, can can you come in? And I said, surely... I can. Jumping at the uh, chance to learn about plants. And, of course, Russ is still overseas. Russ has been in uh, Buenos Aires second time round. He's been travelling all around South America. You should see the photos of Iguazu Falls. And now he's heading with his partner to another town. I think it's, oh, I don't know, somewhere in Argentina. But anyway, so everybody's away. Ex- and that's why, look, I really appreciate you being here tonight, No problem. Chris. No problem. Glad yeah, to be well, here. Um, so tonight we'll, we will be doing our rates check segment, uh, which is my favourite segment. I'm excited about it. I know you are. And of course, tonight's Gaborhood, I've asked you to, uh, to do an assignment, of course, being a news reader mm-hmm. as usual. Uh, which suburb are we going to be looking at? We're going to go to Albert Park tonight, the what very I'm... ritzy Albert Park. Oh, it is ritzy and well and truly expensive. Sure is. And we're all here on a real estate journey with you. We're not experts in real estate, so we've decided to call them in and share their experience and knowledge together. The kettle's on. You're listening to Our House. (laughs) 
Well, I almost need to get out the defibrillators. That's the heart attack segment, of course. Rates check now. Christopher, welcome to Rates Check. Thank you. Very happy to be here. I'm excited. Well, look, you know, it's exciting. Not very much is happening in interest rate land. And, you know, we do hang off uh, the Reserve Bank's decisions every month, first Tuesday of every month. Mm -hmm. And there hasn't been a change. Often there is one in November, but there hasn't been one this year. Um, And therefore, all of the rates that are being offered are very similar. Well, they're the same as last last week. HSBC is 3.55%. The lowest one is loans.com.au, 3.39%. is low. That is low. Um, and I think, you know, HSBC comes in second, Ubank and Australian Unity and ME Bank, which is Members Equity Bank. Now, last week we did a profile on loans.com. Mm. Um, this week, however, we don't need to do that. I'm going to talk in a few moments about Ubank. But in the big four, we've got NAB at 3.75%, which is very cheap. Uh, Bank West, 3.98% um, and 3.85%, you know, just depending on mm. how much you want to borrow. So sometimes it's like only 80 or 90%. Yeah. Um, NAB is in at 4.1, which is pretty high. Commonwealth, 3.84. ANZ, 3.9. Westpac, 3.89. Um, it's funny that I should mention that NAB is 4.1, but you can get other loans from NAB which are as low as 3.75. Okay. So now, there is variety there. Well, there is. And, you know, it's just, just depending on the conditions, whether you want with a fee, without a fee, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Most of the big four banks will charge you $395 a year. Um, but whereas the smaller ones, the really low ones, there's no application fees, there's no ongoing fees, but you can borrow less. Right, okay. Which would make a bit of, bit of a difference. Have you bought your first house yet? I have not. You're thinking about it, aren't you? I sure am. Well, especially with this cheap the next money 20 around. 20 years, perhaps. In 20 years' time. <laughs> well, I might change your mind on that. Now, Ubank is a subsidiary of NAB, and that's why I mentioned, you know, NAB's headline rate is 4.1, but uh, they do do a loan down to 3.75. Um, Ubank is at 3.64, as we mentioned. Now, they have an online application process and a phone call thing. You know, they'll ring you back within a day mm. um, and they'll talk to you about their your eligibility. Have you ever done that? I've never done it. No. Well, you know, you, depending on what you're earning and how much deposit you have. Now, the only difference, though, is Ubank will lend you for uh, up to 80% of the value. NAB will lend you up to 95%. Right. So on that $1 million house, you only need to have $50,000. Yep. Which sounds like a lot. On the $500,000 place you want to buy, you're only going to have $25,000. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, it might sound like a lot, but most people would spend that on their car anyway. Yeah. So what you do is you upload your documentation um, and then they get, uh, arrange to do a property valuation. Often banks will come in with a property valuation maybe lower than what you're going to pay for it. So you've got to be mindful of that. Mm. So you might have to kick up a little bit more deposit. Uh, they have a great home loan calculator, but virtually all the websites have home loan calculators and they'll tell you what you can afford. So, And I'm just I'm having a little through my notes, 95% with NAB. So that $50,000 for the $1 million, you only need $25,000. So for that $500,000 property, you only need $12,500 deposit. Okay. So it's becoming a little bit more affordable now, isn't it? Very doable. 
All right. Well, Ubank has won the Mozo Experts Choice 2016, Australia's best online bank. Money Magazine has given them the cheapest home loan four years in a row, 2013, 14, 15 and 16. Wow. So. it's pretty good credentials. They are consistent. Mm. Canstar gave them the outstanding value 2016. Uh, They got three awards awards from Canstar, depending on whether you're an investor or whether you're an owner-occupier. So. You know, I don't know whether they make up these uh, these awards, but nevertheless, um, there's lots of awards to be had. And, you know, basically the big fours, they're, you know, with certain conditions, 3.75% is pretty cheap. Mm. Now, leaving that alone, and of course, once again, if next week um, we find that there isn't any movement in the rates, uh, we'll look at one of the other smaller lenders. Um, You know, the big four basically borrow out 80% of home loans, but these other ones, they're pretty competitive. Mm. Um, In the auction results, now, there's been quite a lot of auctions this week. There were 990 held this week. Clearance rate dipped down a little bit. 77%, 77%, but at this time last year, there were 1,446. So that's considerably more. Yeah, big drop. It's to do with how many properties are available. Mm-hmm. So um, it is full-on spring market season. So if you, you're selling now, this is the time to be doing it. Um, I always think, you know, you should go early, but at the same time, uh, there have been some big results. Now, the top house sale, guess how much? Well, I reckon I'm going to go somewhere around six million. Nine million and twenty thousand dollars. Youch! You would have thought nine million would have done it, but no. It took that extra twenty thousand knockout bid. That was for a place at number twelve St George's Road in Turak. So if you want to drive past it and go, wow, um, or. Oh, well, you know, somebody could afford it. Uh, that was there. There was a house in Avoca Street, South Yarra, 5.7 million. Q, Elwood, and Hampton. Elwood. 3.572, not a shabby suburb at all. And Hampton, of course, they're beachside. Q, 4.85 million. I don't know what gets you there. I haven't had actually a bit of research into that. Top apartments, $3 million on the dot. They didn't need the $20,000 knockout bid. That's still pretty good. That was in Brighton. I would assume you'd get a beautiful view from there. Brighton East, St Kilda West in Canterbury Road, $1.82 million. Hawthorne, there's a couple of places in Auburn Road. And I had a quick look to see what they look like on in the net. And do you think I can find it now? Oh, I don't know. No, I've lost it. It was there before. But nevertheless, it was um, sort of on Auburn Road with spectacular views of the city. And they're sort of... Um, Really good-looking places, you know, penthouses. Yep. And paying for those city views. But for the cheap houses, the cheapest house in Melbourne was in Norlane, which is closer to Geelong, $200,000. Cheap as chips, but you have to live in Norlane. Yeah, well, that's That's the only problem. But But your 5% deposit would only be $10,000. Well, that would be a good investment. You could sell your pets. You You could sell, I don't know, a few things. Anyway, uh, that's interesting. Really cheap. Another one in Norlane, $237,000. Let's see. I had my bargain houses up here, but they've gone (laughs) disappeared now. I don't know where they've gone. But I know there was a a really good one um, that was very close to the city uh, in St Kilda. Now, where was the cheapest one in the city? Oh, let's have a little look here. Um, No, 
can't find it. I don't know what I've done here, but nevertheless, uh, there are some bargains to be found. And, uh, you know, people like you should be encouraged, Chris, because if you find one of the cheapest ones was, oh, let's see, Melbourne, $161,000 for a flat. Where is that in Melbourne? Melbourne? It's in 268 Flinders Street and it's apartment 719. $161,000. That would be a dog box, though. It probably would be. But, you know, if you're looking for your first place... Yeah. You're going to save even more money. No walking to work. Well, you would be walking to work. That's pretty good. You may not have any windows to look out of, but you can walk to work. Or maybe you're overlooking a rubbish bin area. (laughs) Who knows? Look, that's our rates check segment for the week. Kettle's on. You're listening to Our House. Now, you're listening to Our House with Christopher and myself tonight. Paul's feeling a bit sick. And also, um, we've got Russ away overseas. But, you know, it's springtime in Melbourne. At the height of spring, a sea of fragrant roses illuminate the grounds at Werribee Park. Now, to celebrate the sights and scents, there's the annual State Rose and Garden Show on, and it's a free Wyndham City event, and it goes over this coming weekend, Saturday the 19th and Saturday the 20th. Now, tonight, from the actual festival, we have Attila Capitani, and we're going to talk about all things gardening. How are you, Attila? I'm good, good, thank you. Great to have you on the line. It's a shame you couldn't come in tonight, but I know you're probably just pruning those roses, getting everything ready. Um, what What's your involvement in the State Rose and Garden Show? Well, that, that's kind of interesting. I, I'm a cactus and succulent expert, so I, I specialise in dry climate plants from dry climates around the world, so desert plants. Cacti and succulents obviously come from deserts. So I think, what's that got to do with roses? Well, yeah. you know, a lot of gardeners who garden, enjoy roses, but they also have plants on the porch, plants on windowsills in the house. And you can't, of course, grow rose on a porch as well or on a windowsill indoors. And that's the place and the location where cacti and succulents tend to really do well. So that's sort of a connection, but there are lots of connections. I mean, look, I could chat for a good hour. No, I haven't got an hour to chat, but uh, cacti and succulents are really drought-hardy. So, and succulents in particular are really, really popular with rose growers because a lot of the succulents are rosette-shaped. So if we so go along to the actual uh, show this weekend, are you going to be there with advice and tips and all that sort of stuff? Yes, we're having a small marquee with a display of plants, all our succulents and cacti. Also, there'll be books and magazines to buy. Uh, so there's a full range of plants on display and for sale. And there'll be lots of stalls selling all sorts of things. So there'll be bowl sellers and, and, and everything from rose growers. There'll be food vans. There's, there's, oh, there's actually going to be dozens and dozens and dozens of tents and uh, stalls with products and, and displays. So it's going to be a real fun weekend, I think. And the weather's with us, so that's good. Now, just in case you don't realise, uh, Chris, um, this is the fourth year of the State Rose and Garden Show. Okay. Um, so it's, it's been going a while? Well, yeah, and it sounds pretty exciting. Um, is there food there as well? There's all sorts of food. There's coffee vans. I mean, gosh, gosh uh, some years ago I was there and there was a, a, a queue of the coffee vans. are so far back, but uh, I think they've put more vans in now, so uh, it hasn't been so bad. But, oh, all sorts of food. There's uh, um, food trucks, lots of them. With, with sounds amazing. And is there? what can we do with the kids if we come down? Is, is it a kid-friendly event? Well, it's a family-friendly event. There, uh, I've seen uh, uh, pet 
uh, farm animals and things for kids to play with there once. Uh, I don't know if it'll be there this weekend, but, uh, oh, look, it's, it's a huge place and there's lots of things for families. So, yeah, absolutely. And there's hay bales to sit around and play on and and, and there's uh, lawns and, and, and vistas. And, oh, look, I, I couldn't tell you all of what's on. I'm, that's not my area. My area's basically the cacti and succulents. And, so, and will people uh, be able to buy their, their plants uh, when they go down? Is it, is it a place we can pick up succulents yes, and cacti? there's and also going to be a stage area where people can listen to guest speakers that come along and chat about this, that and the other all throughout the day. So there's going to be a timetable of speakers. I'm one of the speakers. and So besides talking about cacti and succulents, you can come up to a stall and have a closer look, have a feel. And a lot of them are very, very good. Actually, talk about tactile. Some of the cacti are soft and fluffy, not spiky, sharp or Well, dangerous. yeah, I was, was going to say, what if you've got the kids there? Uh, do you have to hold them back well, from the, the cacti? But if they're... Well, that's the best fun, because families that walk past, there are some families that are overly cautious and pull their kids' hands away when the kids reach out to want to touch. But, you know, there are other families where the parents actually say, careful, but yes, and allow them to go up close and touch. And, you know, it's always a surprise when the kids turn back to their mum and dad and say, this one's soft. And, oh, that one's sharp. And, you know, they don't often, hardly ever walk away with one stuck in their finger. Yeah. Rather <laughs> excitement and a bag. They purchase one, want one. And, you know, I don't know what it is, but boys and girls under the age of 10 tend to like sometimes the dangerous-looking ones. Yeah. We've got a little cactus. It's one that's got hooks and it's got, like, fish hook spines. And it grows up into a thing. It's called a pharaoh cactus, and it's really ferocious. And the kids are excited by the whole idea of it all. And I don't know. They want to but then, you know, action. at the same time, if you can get kids excited about a cactus, that might actually spark their initial um, interest in oh, gardening yeah. and looking after plants and caring for them and all that and sort of stuff. for those that don't like dangerous plants, we've got cacti coming into flower this weekend that'll have flowers that are soft, not spiky. So for those who do find the fierce, dangerous ones troublesome, there's lots of others that are really exciting. I'm, I'm talking with beautiful flowers, and if it does encourage a child to take up an interest in gardening, all the better. Yeah, well, that's true. Look, at the same time, you know, I've seen some cacti in the shops, and, you know, certainly when they've grown a bit more, they're obviously going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, how do I go about um, learning to plant cacti myself and growing them myself rather than buying the really expensive ones in the shops? Well, there are types that stay small. They can keep in small containers. So if kids want them on, want them on windowsills and want to keep them on windowsills, they can stay on windowsills permanently. I'm talking for years and years. And they don't need to be repotted or cared for. Some of them are really carefree. But if you want to learn or know more, there's going to be lots of expert gardeners. Each of the stalls or my keys will have you know, the, the, the growers, the professional growers there, and they're going to be able to give out advice all weekend. So, you know, come and meet the growers, come and meet the experts, and I'm, I'm just one of the many experts there. So if, if I've got a, uh, a little space at home, maybe a balcony or a windowsill, and I want to start my own succulent garden, how, how would I go about that? Well, it kind of depends if you're facing north, south, east, or west. So the advice is so specific. If you had an apartment in the city and you had a balcony that faces, let's say, north, that's hot sun, warm sun, mm. midday sun, well, that's I'd recommend a certain suite of cacti that like those conditions. But if you only faced on your balcony or your veranda south and it's not getting any direct sun, there's a totally different range of plants I'd recommend still cacti and succulents, but those that like those conditions. So north, south, east and west 
it's a different story. Or can be. And do you find they're they're quite easy for people to care for? Are they are they a good a good place to start oh, if they're, you're not a, a good gardener, perhaps? Uh, well, there's a generalisation I could say. Cacti and succulents are easier to care for than most plants. Yeah. In that, if you didn't water them, you're likely not to kill them for months and months and months without water, without a drop, without rainfall at all, even on a windowsill indoors. But should you care for them properly, which is not that hard, the average guide is to water once a week with a good soak. But, you know, if you were to water them and care for them well, they grow, they flourish, they flower. And, you know, compared to most plants, I mean, if you go on holidays, go into state or business, and when you come back, your garden, your plants are shriveling or neglected. Cacti and succulents tend to tolerate that neglect so well they're very forgiving plants, so they're ideal for the modern world, the modern person, the person that works during the week and doesn't have enough time to tend them and babysit them. So would I find that, it, you know, like if I went away on a couple of holidays a year, let's say two or three weeks at a time, if I leave my succulent, surely give it a bit of a soak before I go away. Like if I'm away for two or three weeks, I could come home and they're still going to be alive and still okay. Absolutely, remarkably, and if you did that to a maidenhead thing, it would be shriveled, and so many yeah. other plants would have shriveled over those few weeks away. But uh, that's where, in the desert, they've adapted to dry, poor soils, poor conditions. So, you know, they're generally gardeners find cacti and succulents are an easy, carefree plant, and if you've got a small space, uh, small location, small containers, you don't have the time. This is ideal. And, and if you want more plants, you, you can you can pluck off a, a succulent leaf and, and often plant and it'll grow. Is that, is that true? Oh, well, if I were to say, what's the most fun I have with them? Well, I, I love watching flowers. I love watching them grow. But, you know, the most fun I have and the most fun others tend, tell me also is propagating them. And propagating them is making more of the same. So if you've got one or two or three on your windowsill, you know, in no time at all, it's very simple to understand the principle that if you break a piece off and you dry it, I'm talking leave it on the windowsill, sitting on the side mm. for a few days, you can plant it back in and start a new plant. Now, from one and one to make, you know, extras and, and multiply so soon you've got a windowsill full of lots of them, it's kind of exciting to think that you're making new life or bringing new life forth from one. You've got many. Yeah, amazing. And, and they, are, they are great plants, and I've got a lot of them, and they're, they're really easy to care for. So, you know, I've Actually, got... Chris, have you propagated any of yours? I have. I have. I've plucked them off and stuck them in a new pot, and amazingly, they grow. Them off, they grow. When you say pluck them off, it's interesting, because that's a, a, an unusual word. In a horticultural trade, we say propagate, but also it's a cutting or a piece. Now, you can... That's kind of hard to interpret for a reader on the phone, uh, on a radio who's not heard this before, but, you know, you can actually break a leaf off or knock a leaf off or bump a leaf off or break a leaf by accident, and that leaf often can grow a new plant just from a single leaf. Yeah, wow. They are very, very hardy plants. Look, if anybody... If anybody listening at the moment has any questions about their succulents or any plant questions, just send us a message on 0427-JOY949 or you can send an email to onair at joy.org.au. You're listening to Our House on Joy 94.9. That's right, you are listening to Our House. We have Attila Capitani on the line and we're talking about uh, the State Rose and Garden Show. And, of course, Attila is a great expert in cacti. Now, look, we've received... an SMS. Are you still there, Attila? Yes, I am. Just making sure. Look, we've received a couple of questions in already. Um, Nurse James has sent in a question. I've got a south-facing house. What cacti would be best? 
south-facing house. Yeah. South-facing garden on the south-facing side of the house. I assume that's what it means. Okay. Uh, good question. Well, uh, there are cacti that like a bit of shade as against preferring sun. So everyone yeah. has a uh, famous saying that cacti like the desert like the sun. But if you go to Argentina... Uh, you'll actually find uh, that on the mountainsides facing south, there's a group of cacti called gymnocalyciums. Gymnocalyciums love the shade. They don't like the hot summer sun, and they'll even flower in the shade. So a good bit of research, and you'll find even others. But that's a good example to start with, gymnocalyciums. But that's cactus. There are succulents. Now, most gardeners tend to find succulents do much better in shady areas. There are some types that love the shade. And there are lists available. In fact, there's a book I wrote some years ago called Succulents of the Garden. Now, whether you buy the book or not, it's irrelevant. Go to a library, find the book. It's called Succulents of the Garden. And in it, there are lists of plants that like semi-shade. There are lists of plants that like lots of shade. So that's really so they'd be like, like the ones that grow in rocks down near the beach. Some of them obviously don't face, but they, they sort of ground cover and they're quite squid. Like if you step on them, they're full of water and stuff like that. They'd be the ones that wouldn't want to be in the sun, yeah. I suppose. Well, exactly. That, that's sort of an example. But there are lots of succulents that like the shade. There are just as many that like the sun. In fact, there's over 10,000 different species of succulents. They're found all across the world. And when you mention down by the sea, there are some there. They're actually found all across the world. And Australia happens to be rich in succulent species. There's over 400 Australian native succulents. And yet most Australians have never seen them before or heard of them. So when you come this weekend, anyone that comes along to the Rose Show will be able to come up and have a look at our stall and do ask, what's Australian? What's native in mm-hmm. succulents? Because I've got a lot of exciting new ones to share and show to people. If I don't have them available for sale, I've got pictures of them. So just that alone, but exciting people about what's new and different. See, everybody, every gardener tends to say, oh, I know about the common ones. I've got that. I've got that. Well, oh, I love bringing things along that people haven't seen. Yeah. New things, exciting things, and that's really good. Hey, look, if I, I, I want to put a couple of little um, off-cut that you know that Chris has found that he's plucked off one of his cacti already. Um, is there a special sort of soil that I sh- should use for cacti, or should I just like uh, I don't know, Chris? If you've got one in a, okay. a pot with soil, should I put it in word. from soil to soil, or if it's a drained one or stony one, or you well, know, what, what sort of thing? Interesting. I have to regroup with you on use of the word cactus or cacti. If I could uh, clarify something with some generalizations, it'll help lead you to the answer to the question you've asked. I hope I didn't lose track. Cacti are really desert plants and are usually spiny and they're only native to the Americas. South America, Central America, North America. Cacti are American. Now, succulents are found all across the world and there's a big distinction. Succulents generally don't have spines or not thorny. Uh, Actually, they don't have spines at all. But um, they're a lot softer. Now, succulents require less sandy soil than cacti. Now, another thing I'll generalise with, cacti are considered or regarded as more male-like or male-type plants. Succulents are generally more female. Now, by that I mean succulents are often softer, rosetted, decorative things in the garden, whereas cacti are more fierce, more robust, and more hot and dry. So there's a lot of uh, uh, association there. The way is that when we have boats in the ocean, they all got female, most have female names. Why do we do that? Why why is it when we see a cat, we think a female? Why is it when we see a dog, we think male? Uh. That's a simple generalised... I'm overviewing here, but that simplistic 
view I'm trying to give you now is you're using the word cacti to represent all of them. When in fact I now go to your answer to the question you had, cacti like sandy soil and really good drainage. Succulents, most succulents, people are growing, they grow in the garden, in dirt, in Ah. garden soil, in compost. So there's a big distinction. Cacti and succulents, even though you can say they are kind of the same, they're really not. So you know what I'm getting at? Are the cacti sort of like, are they the storers of the water and they just don't want to Um, let any out? And the succulents sort of hold the water in, but they're they're sort of maybe a little bit more porous? Mm. All right, I'll, I'll... I'll give you this scientific interpretation. Every plant has a degree of succulents in it. A maidenhair fern is barely succulent, if at all. Maidenhair fern, you couldn't call that a succulent. When you get a geranium and you crush it, a bit of water would run out. Now, if you get a plant that's thicker and thicker and thicker, it becomes more and more succulent. Uh-huh. Now, a cactus is the extreme end of that scale. The cactus has a really compact surface-to-volume ratio, an area like a ball or a... And, and it's got no leaves. Now, that's a real xerophyte. It's the most drought-tolerant. And that structure of a cactus, it's, it's actually... Uh, when you dissect a cactus in half, the contents inside are full of moisture. So if you were to squeeze it and there were no thorns around it, you'd get the same juice come out that you'd get from a succulent. And so could that keep you alive in the desert if you were stranded? There are you cacti. cut one open there. and drink it? <laughs> some have hallucinogenic drugs in them. Oh. And some are poisonous. And some are poisonous. So, you know, there's a full spectrum. There's over 10,000 species of cacti and succulents. And, you know, there's a full range of everything. There's yeah. edible ones and there's non-edible ones. Prickly so pears are good tasting about, one. Be careful about recommending one that's edible when it's not. Right. I wouldn't be recommending it to too many people without thorough research. And that's so if you're lost in the desert, maybe a little bit of experimentation. I don't oh, know. Or if you get locked well, on your balcony, you have a no, nibble. If you had no choice, go for it. But otherwise, I wouldn't be taking yeah. it. In fact, in Africa, Africa's full of euphorbias. And euphorbias often grow like cacti. They even have thorns and look like cacti. Put them side by side. Most gardeners couldn't tell the difference. But... Here's something. This will empower your readers immensely. Yeah. If you get any plant in the garden, any cactus or any succulent, and if you break or scratch the stem and it bleeds white sap like milk and it runs profusely, well, that is always considered toxic. Yeah, look, I actually have a euphorbia, and, you know, you can grow it from a little cutting as well. It's grown like, you know, seven or eight foot tall at times, and I've cut it down and all that sort of stuff, and it just re-sprouts. But, yeah, you're right, the white liquid that comes out, it doesn't look particularly appealing. I don't think I'd be drinking that one, Chris. (laughs) Well, Um, it it burns warts off your skin, and also, if you drink it, it'll kill you. It's dangerous. So when I say what plants you can eat, euphorbias, absolutely stay away from all euphorbias. Whereas cacti from the Americas... Many of them are edible. Ex-boyfriends. That's where the, the who the euphorbias are for. Look, um, at the same time, we've received another SMS, another question for you. Are there any climbing succulent plants that can be trained to cover a wall or a fence? And that's from C. Mm. So. Well... When I mention how cacti are native to the Americas, South America, Central mm-hmm. America, North America, those species from South America, also South American species also are found in Brazil. Now, the Amazon jungle is in Brazil, and in the Amazon jungle, there are numerous cacti that grow epiphytically. They begin either on the ground and climb the trees, creeping or trailing or crawling up. So, yes, they can climb on walls. Yes, they can and uh, are used as screens and hedges. In fact, the most famous one which has become trendy in 
uh, fruit growing markets yeah. and all are the dragon fruit. You know dragon fruit? Oh, yeah. Dragon fruit They're delicious. is uh, really trending, really colourful looking fruit. It's not super tasty, but very novel and interesting on the, on the dinner table when guests come over. But anyway. Is that quite fruit, a beautiful plant, though? Uh, the, it's a cactus. Sorry, a cactus, as a cactus, though, climbs, is it a beautiful looking cactus? Um, it climbs grapevines. Are grapevines beautiful plants? Okay, yeah, I see what you mean. But this now, one at least will better. climb. Now, this plant that creeps on a fence or a hedge, this dragon fruit plant, what's really exciting is its flowers are 20 to 30 centimetres across. Beautiful. And also, there are some of them, one in particular, it's called Queen of the Night. And it's not only something that flowers by night, by moonlight, but when it opens, it has such a fragrant flower. Bats and birds love it at night. I'm talking owls and uh, nocturnal creatures. But it's, it's actually quite famous. Will these, the will these grow in Melbourne? Will, will dragon fruit grow in Melbourne, or do we have the wrong climate uh, here? There are, there are related species. There, you know, basically, if I were to generalise and say there's a genus, and it's called Hylocereus. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Hylocereus and Solenocereus. These are South American climbing cacti species or genera, and these will cover a wall, and there are species that will grow in Melbourne. Great. Okay, you're listening to... And in Melbourne. You're listening to Attila here, um, Attila Capitani, who is talking about cacti at the moment and, of course, about the Victorian State Rose and Garden Show. You're listening to Our House on Joy 94.9. We've got the wonderful Attila Capitani on the line talking all things gardens here on our house. And I've got a few questions for you regarding how we make the most of space to grow fresh produce. Have you got any advice for for that for people? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm a cactus and succulent expert. That's not uh, my area of production of fruit and edibles, but there are cacti and succulents that produce edible fruit and also have other edible parts and you know, crossing over to the earlier question about growing them up a wall, uh, vertical garden and vertical gardening is trending. It's very, oh, very are they trending? Uh, wow. Everywhere. Guess what? Everywhere. The best, plant, the best plant in the world. Check all the books. The best plant group in the world for this sort of project happens to be cacti and succulents. And, okay, well, a good example. Did you know in Detroit, the old uh, Ford Motor Car Company in Detroit, the, all the buildings, all of the buildings have their roofs covered in succulents. Wow. They're, and they're now, really good for amazing. insulation and things like that too, aren't they? And, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, growing vertically, you know, in places where you don't, where space is limited, mm. on a porch or veranda, having even the tiniest, where you've got like three or four slots and they go up three, four, above and above, what you can do is layer cacti and succulents on different ledges and it's like, they can hang down, and there's lots of varieties that hang and and also produce fruit that you can eat. So, mm. you know, uh, there is... Do you know the group of uh, cacti called zygocactus or slumbergias? Okay. Christmas cactus? Mm, yeah, well, they're also South American, and they're ideal for vertical walls. There's also succulents called string of pearls, okay. string of beads. There's also donkey's tail, and these all cascade down. They festoon over an edge. So if you've got a vertical garden situation, succulents are absolutely fantastic for it. So, you know, experiment there. You'll have the most fun. And, you, and you know, it has been said, sorry, it has been said that these are the plants that thrive on neglect. Yeah, I mean, they're house plants that will love you even if you lose interest, just like an old boyfriend. 
Well, yeah, well, you know, if you do have these things in hanging baskets or hanging on a veranda or in a vertical garden, if there's a hot, dry summer day and it's windy and hot or whatever, you've got to get out there with a hose and you've got to water all the plants, and you do. But, you know, during summer, after we've had an extended period of day on day, you know, day after day, 30, 35, 38, whatever, you get tired and say, gosh, watering all these plants is just so much work. Well, you know, people do tire of work and gardening and their busy lifestyle. Well, let me tell you, succulents hanging in a vertical wall, they'll always look fresh and healthy with minimal comparative water needs. And, and what about pests? Are they pretty pest resistant? Are they, are they, you know, Do you really have to worry uh, about any bugs or anything now, eating them or are they okay? There's a two-sided coin here because when in the desert they survive and they're compact and, and, and getting very little water, they're nice and tight and they're bitter tasting quite bitter and if an animal like let's say a rabbit or something bites if there was a rabbit in the desert bites into it they often animals that do bite into succulents in habitat they actually get repelled the plant sort of like makes anyway but when we nurture plants with a lot of water and they grow lush and they grow soft they become weak they're also a lot more palatable Right. And they're also a lot more juicy. And so that actually is a magnet to smells and insects and pests. So, you know, there is an extreme where succulents can attract lots of common pests in the garden. But at the same time, too, if you understand cacti and succulents, you get to know that if you don't overwater and overfeed, then the plants naturally can repel those pests. Right. Fantastic. And that's what we want. So, you know, a little bit of wisdom could help. But look, if you've got a problem this weekend, bring it along. Come tell me. Share with me your story or problem. And I'm sure I can come up with an answer that will make you feel a lot better about your plants. All right. Look, we will put a link on our podcast tomorrow when we post that. And, of course, anybody that wants to go to the Victorian State and Rose and Garden Show, it's on this Saturday, November the 19th, Sunday the 20th. It opens at 10 a.m. on each of those days. And how much was it again to enter? Do you remember, Chris? I don't. It's free. Oh, free. So the price is oh, right. Free. It's amazing. It is free. Wow. Uh, the gates amazing. open, as I say, at 10 o'clock. So, I mean, look, it sounds like a great lot of fun. If you're still just doing pots and things, that's great. If you want to learn about roses, if you want to learn about gardening, of course, uh, we, we would love to come along and check everything out there because the price is right. And, you know, we're all saving for our properties and all that sort of stuff. So it sounds like great fun. Thank you so much, Attila, for being on the show tonight. A pleasure. Thank you. And if anyone does come along, come along to my talk on what roses and succulents have in common because they've got a lot in common. All right. I'll we're looking that. forward Same to it. for the weekend. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Attila. Thank you. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Now, Chris, you're not used to this, but it's time for Barry. No, it isn't time for Barry. <laughs> it's time for our neighbourhood, our gayborhood. Our gayborhood. And That's this right. week we're going to Albert Park. I know, I gave you the task. Down said, by the beach. On, give us a gayborhood, Albert Park. So what makes the, it so gay? the beach on your doorstep. It is. Five minute to ten minute commute to the CBD. Mm-hmm. It's for, for those those gays with a little bit more cash in their pocket, I would say. Well, how much say. does it cost to get a little house down that way? Well, the median house price as of November 7th hmm. was 1.6, nearly 1.7 million. Gee, that's good, isn't it? So that is, you know, that that is a bargain. <laughs> we actually talked about Middle Park in Rates Check a few weeks ago because mm. there were a couple of really top houses that went. And Middle Park is the most expensive suburb 
per square meterage yes. in Melbourne. Not Turak and not some yep. of the other big ones, but uh, definitely Middle Park is. So Albert Park's right next door. Yeah. So what if I wanted to rent a place down that way? Renting, you're looking at around the median of $750 a week. Oh, so, my God. You know. <laughs> so $3,000 a month or thereabouts. Yes, it's an awful lot. And and we've also found that it's, it's a high-demand market. So um, realestate.com.au say there's an average of 2,243 visits per property when one comes on the market, and that's versus the Victorian average of 580 uh, people that go along so that's it's a huge so, amount of interest in the so area if you've got a well. property to sell it's a high demand suburb and that's obviously why the prices are going definitely well. definitely and i mean it, it's high demand because there's so much on offer there well there um, is i live up the road at port melbourne so you know you can always pop up to my place for a cup of coffee or yep. something like that uh, whether i'm high demand or not i don't <laughs> know but it is it is beautiful along there and of course it's it's typified by the beach what else is in albert park we've got uh amazing uh, restaurants we've got uh-huh. um they're obviously, in Bridport Street, and I obviously think. all the sporty stuff. If you're a sporty uh, yeah, kind of, of person, course. you can go running around the lake. You can go to M Sac. I've run around the lake, and I've run around uh, a number of sacks, but definitely around the <laughs> lake. I've run around the lake many times. It's about a five-kilometer circuit, which is quite good. Yeah, uh, pretty flat though, but beautiful views of the city and everything else. Well, uh, M Sac, what's happening there? You can go swimming. They've got a gym. They've got uh-huh. you know, ten-meter diving board if you want to kill yourself. Yeah. Um, and there's also an amazing golf course right next to that as yeah, well, and is. a driving range too. Yep. So if you love your golf... Done a bit of driving around there as well. It's a yep. great driving range. And even just going for a walk around Dubbo Park and looking at the real estate uh, and the oh, houses yeah. that are available, yeah. um, you know. Uh, gay activities? Gay activities. Well, there is a... Um, you can go to the rowing club. There's a there's a queer rowing club in Melbourne Argonauts. Argonauts, of course. Uh, they're they're uh, we mentioned them on uh, Joy quite a bit. Down so on where Albert Park today? Lake on the lake. Yep. Yep. It's also the Smashers. You can go and do a bit of badminton. I was going to say, what do the Smashers, the Smashers do? Okay, they're a badminton club that, yeah. that play at MSAC actually. So you can go along and join them, and I think they are on every Thursday and Sunday. So you can rock up with your badminton racket and have a bit of fun down there. And then we've also, um, after you, you raised this with me, there was also something called Screech Beach. Look, I remember it. I lived in Armstrong Street many, many years ago, which is the last part. No, not Armstrong Street. Victoria Avenue, sorry, which goes down to the end yep. of the number one tram, I think it is. Yeah. And I lived down there. And at the end of the the, the the road, there's the South Melbourne Life Saving Club, which is in Albert Park, weirdly enough. And to the right of that was a beach that used to be called Screech Beach. Now, all the gay men would go there, preen themselves, they'd be lying on the sand all day long. Of course, you know, the Anti-Cancer Council messages hadn't really got in, but, you know, people were constantly slathering themselves in hot liquids and whatever. Um, not much has changed, I suppose, but, but um, and yeah. And a bit and, of screeching. Well, yeah, and that's why it was called Screech Beach. Further along towards the Kerford Road Pier, that's mm. where all the, uh, uh, I was going to say the Wog Boys, is that a wrong thing to say, but all the hot boys, hot uh, Mediterranean boys, were always around Kerford Road Pier. So you'd sort of like, you know, you'd wander up that way, check them all out. And they'd sort of wander back down going, oh, why are these just all young men on this beach at the moment? Yes. And in fact, I do remember, because I live down in Port Melbourne, I've actually been back to where Screech Beach is and uh, done a bit of skinny dipping there. Have you? 
Oh, yeah. Still any screeching going on down there? Oh, if it's a cold night in the water, (laughs) there's no screeching at all. But uh, uh, I did go swimming last uh, December, a little bit too early in the season. Very cold. But it's a great beach and uh, it looks really good. Have we got anything else about the neighbourhood there? Well, the Grand Mm. Prix. Oh, yeah. Most people hate it if they live in Albert Park. Because it's hell on a weekend. Uh, uh, it's not that bad, really. Isn't it? Nah. I mean, there's, but there's a in whole fact, group set up to, you know, shut shut it down. So. In fact, Albert Park Lake used to be um, a rather cruisy area as well. And that's before they turned it into a Grand Prix track. It right. was very cruisy. I don't know whether uh, anybody remembers that. You might want to send a message in on 0420. Yeah, Texas cruise around the lake. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I don't know, but uh, it was. so. But look, a wonderful area, and I suppose um, it's an aspirational suburb. But then, of course, you know, you might be able to find a small place. There's a couple of old commission flats there as well, and uh, some people are very lucky, well, lucky in a way, to live there because they've actually been placed right at the beach as mm. well. Which is get a group amazing. of friends together and, you know, all pitch in for that $750 a week rent. Yeah, that's and true. you can live there anyway. On the floor. So, yeah, on the floor. <laughs> we'll all be sleeping on the floor. We'll sleep on the garden. Look, I've got to say thank you, Chris, for stepping in at late notice. No worries. Um, thank you for Hanging much. around after the 7 o'clock news tonight. <laughs> um, and, of course, I've got to also thank James Houghton, who's been panelling for us tonight, because our house doesn't just get put together on a wing and a prayer. It's a meditated program. Of course, next week we'll be back at the usual time of 9 o'clock on Thursday. It's been great to be here. And uh, good night, Chris. Good night. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.